Great to see you. You just made my night. We want to take a little bit of time in prayer. Again, we're not trying to he, uh, reach a number on the clock, but I just would like you to just talk with the Lord and, and let's pray that God would bless tonight. Uh, Brothers and Lucas are here. They are, are on their way to Japan. And um, uh, Brother Lucas' family is missionaries, former missionaries, or they are, are they there now, Brother Lucas? Yeah. And so uh, continuing on, and uh, Brother Lucas already is, uh, was raised over there, so he knows the language and all. And then his, his new bride, which just, what did you tell me, five months? Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, Stacoria has been doing... Um, uh, aim work and been over in Scotland going to school and then teaching there in the, in the Bible college. So uh, they are going to bless this church tonight and we'll have a great time. But before we go, let's, before we begin service, let's just worship the Lord, let's pray, taste, find a place to pray real quick and um, just to be able to get our hearts right with God and be able to pray for his will and purpose and to be able to know that, that uh, we are integral in, in God's kingdom when we pray, because that's, that's how the Lord works. Amen? So let's just find a place to pray. God bless you. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you tonight. Oh, Lord, we thank you and praise you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I will praise and worship my God, my Savior, my King. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, you are a wonderful Savior. You are the mighty God tonight. Lord Jesus, we Oh, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Thank you, God. Oh, it's the goodness of the Lord. Oh, Lord, that touches our hearts and lives, compels us to seek you, to worship you, to trust you. Thank you, Jesus. I magnify your name tonight, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You are a wonderful God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Chelsea. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing all over the world tonight. God, for the work in Japan. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. God, that you allow us to meet, Lord, and overlook his family and to have the will of God to be performed and done. Oh, and let this be a starting point. Let this be a beginning place. Oh, that this church could be involved in the destiny. Oh, we thank you and we praise you tonight. Hallelujah, love God. Hallelujah, love God. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, give thanks to the Lord that he is good. Oh, we praise and we bless your name. God, touch every heart tonight, every life tonight. Lord, give us the word. Give us perception. Give us perspective, Lord. Let us see, oh God, our lives. Let us see the work we're doing. Let us see, oh God, our Lord, our business of our lives. And let us see the work of God. And Lord, your purpose to be fulfilled. Jesus, we praise you tonight. Oh, I will praise and bless your name. I will magnify your name tonight. God, do a work. Do a mighty work, oh Lord, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Oh Lord, bless you. God, each and every one. I pray that the church of Chelsea would be blessed even as we pray and seek you. They would be blessed even as we walk and desire your purpose and your will. Oh, we thank you, Lord. 
just to let you all know that tonight, usually when I have a missionary, I try to um, have the offering last because sometimes people feel compelled and want to give something. And uh, if, if you want to do that, I certainly want you to. Uh, and, and of course, they're going to be asking us for to sponsor them. Uh, it happens to be uh, that we just had one of our missionaries that our church already sponsors uh, now home and retiring. So um, we, we may just be able to help them uh, uh, maybe tonight. So that's, that's good news. Yes. But we want God to bless, and, um, and yes. I don't know what they'll say, and I don't know what they need, and I don't know any of that. But just, you know how it is with missionaries? Just let your, let your heart, let your faith speak to you, and, and um, uh, we're not looking for anything more than just each of us being blessed oh, of God tonight. Amen. Amen. Lucas, would you like to come up here, or are you? Okay, you're fine. Can you start off? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God
Hallelujah, mighty God. Praise the Lord. You could be seated. I do want to take a moment before I have the Lucas is come up. And uh, this being right here before Thanksgiving, uh, Sister Betty Little tonight said before we began service when we were sitting out in the foyer, she said every day should be Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and, and she was so right. Uh, so it's our job to figure out how to implement that <clears throat> and to have a thankfulness in our life that we aren't just coming to, to the Lord as our Santa Claus. It's easy to make uh, Jesus our Santa Claus every day of the year, and we know that's not right. <clears throat> we're, we're so much more important than just begging the Lord, aren't we? Amen. And so we also need to implement, though, and have a mind that we are going to have that thankfulness. And I am glad for the work that is going on in Chelsea. I, uh, you know, we're all just starting off. We're learning about each other. We're uh, just kind of getting on the road here. But um, I am excited tonight about all that the Lord is going to be doing. I see the Lord working in your lives and, and my wife and I. We have been greatly blessed to be here. And um, I also am so thankful for the different contacts. I have a whole other list now of people I'm sending information to because a little by little we're going we're gonna to meet new people and, and increase that, that database, if I can call it that. So we want to keep uh, touching new lives. And I want you to feel free that you can bring people to this church and feel like that we're going to be thankful and we're going to give honor and we're going to bless the Lord. Amen. Each and every service that we get together. And so before Brother Lucas come, I want to just ask if anybody else might have a testimony. And I, I'm not trying to elongate this or anything, but, but um, I think that probably this time of the year you've had time to think and contemplate all that the Lord has done for you. And also uh, the things, you know, that you were anticipating the Lord to do in your life. And uh, just wanted to give anybody, if there was someone who might have a testimony, before we go any farther, you to stand. Sister Nay. Good. Praise God. Amen. What? Amen. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Anyone else before we go? Amen. Yes, sister. Diana.
Amen. Amen. Good, good. Thank you. Amen. 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 Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't we stand and give the Lord thanks tonight. I want Brother and Sister Lucas to come and feel I don't want them to worry about time. <clears throat> we have plenty of time. And, um, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen? Let's give the Lord thanks right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay, awesome. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. I'm so uh, happy to, to hear testimonies like this in the church. You know, so much of the time these days, we don't, we don't do it like we used to do it. But it is so good to, to hear uh, the testimonies that brothers and sisters have you know hearing what god is doing in other people's lives it encourages us and it it strengthens us uh, when i came in tonight the lord started to uh, lay a few scriptures on my heart and i want to just share with you very quickly kind of as i guess as a as a before we do anything else i guess before i get into my sermon or anything but 
But in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, Solomon reminds us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. You know, so much of the time in life when things happen and it seems like they're always happening, something's always happening. And it's so easy for us to fall back into the natural mode of trusting ourselves and looking to our own understanding. But we've got to step out of that and, and remember to trust in the Lord with all our heart and to not lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct our paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Another scripture in Isaiah 55 that I think kind of tags on with the previous one. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. And you know, so much of the time we, we automatically think that if God was smart and knew what he was doing, his ways would be our ways and his thoughts would be our thoughts. And that's where we get in trouble with not trusting in him is when we think, hey, you know what? His Lord, your thoughts ought to be what I'm thinking. And that's why we've got to trust in him and remember his thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. We cannot grasp what God is doing so much of the time. I believe we've probably all been there, though, when we look back and say, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, now I get it. I'm so glad I trusted. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. How do you get weary in well-doing? When you're doing everything you know to do, when you're doing your absolute best and it ain't working out the way you think it ought to be working out. You remember Abraham when he obeyed God and left home and went out in the desert? Did it work out like he thought it would? Not right away. He could have gotten weary in well-doing, but he didn't get weary in well-doing. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. We've just got to keep on doing what we know to do. Just keep moving forward. Sometimes all you can do is just take another step. But you know what? Take that step and then take another one and keep trusting him and keep looking to him. Keep believing that he knows what he's doing. Sometimes we may not be able to see that he's even doing anything at all, like in the case of Job. Amen. But he's working. He's there. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't left us or forsaken us. Amen. Let's keep our eyes on him. Amen. We are so happy to get to be here with you on this uh, Thanksgiving Eve Eve. And uh, we're just so happy. Thank you so much for allowing us to be with you tonight. Uh, Pastor gave a, a short introduction of, of us, but I want to, uh, I guess you give a little bit more expanded introduction. Uh, I was born and raised in Japan. My parents are, are missionaries. They've been missionaries for 37 years. Uh, I grew up, and since my dad had been a Marine, and I had heard, uh, you know, other kids went to, went to sleep at night hearing like the three little pigs and stories like that. Well, I heard boot camp stories where somebody like mouthed off to a DI and got beat up or, you know, whatever. And I thought, well, I want to do that. I want to go get beat up by a DI. Not really, but I thought, you know what, I want to I jump out of airplanes and shoot guns and have fun. And, 
And, uh, but when I was a senior in high school, I was praying one day, and the Lord told me, no. And I, what? But I, I want to, you know. And, but the Lord said, no. And so I went to Bible school instead. And looking back, I'm thankful. But I went to Bible school, and when I graduated from four years of Bible school at ABI up in Minnesota, I was praying and trying to feel after the Lord what he would have me to do, and I really felt to go back to Japan. And so after I graduated from Bible school, I went back to Japan, and I've been there for eight years, uh, ministering in the church there, and, and uh, it's been a very busy but good eight years. And then uh, six months ago, just over six months ago, my wife and I got married, and uh, <laughs> oh, thank you, <laughs> amen, <clears throat> amen. Uh, I, my wife is from Washington, Washington State, and uh, she was serving as the youth president there until uh, we got married. She was the only lady youth president in the UPCI, but somehow I was able to get her to change sides and come join Global Missions and change departments, so, so uh, I'm sorry I stole their only lady youth president, but, <laughs> but I'm so thankful that, that the Lord had us join forces and called us to Japan to work together. Um, I want my wife to come and to greet you and to share a little bit about what we uh, will be doing in Japan when we get back, and then also what we're doing on deputation. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to use... That's Praise the Lord. It is such an honor to be here tonight and in Chelsea, and I give honor to Brother and Sister Erickson and your, your church body for inviting us to come. It's, it's truly an honor, and um, as I listen to you give thanks for everything that God has done for you, it really touched my heart because we really don't have anything without the Lord. Yes. And, um, you know, I, as, you, as people were mentioning testimonies, I, I thought to myself, it's true. I really cannot tell at all that God has done for me. Yeah. He's been so faithful. Even this year, it, and this is just personal, but um, I have had um, in my family two people, two my brothers, um, estranged for over 10 years, never spoken to one another. And um, that was very difficult for our family. But my two brothers came to our wedding and we saw just the Lord heal our family. And so we're so thankful for what God can do. And, and in my mind, that was impossible. God could never do, or that could never happen. But God, he knew. He knew what he was doing. And so I'm so grateful to the Lord. He's been so faithful to us. And so we are going to the nation of Japan. It has a close to 127 million people. And uh, the city of Tokyo has 38 million people in just that one metro area, the largest metropolitan area in the world. And um, so many people who are hungry for the Lord, and so many people who are searching for God. And so when I think of that number, 38 million people, it's so big in my mind. It's beyond comprehension. But God is, is so much bigger. He was talking about it. His ways are so much higher than ours. His thoughts are so much higher than ours. And I sometimes call my mom because I can, you know, I, sometimes we get fixated on the little things. We get fixated on the day-to-day -day things. And sometimes I call my mom and I say, Mom, I just need you to tell me the big picture. Like, tell me the big picture. What's the real point here? And she just always helps me see that there's a bigger picture. Don't, don't get so fixated on this small thing. And so... Um, I know that the Lord is already doing a work in Japan and that we're just going to be a part of what he's doing. And so um, in that metro area or in Japan, less than 1% of the population is Christian, and that includes any faith that believes in Jesus as 
some kind of God. And so we, we have so much work to do, but we're, we're, we're confident that the Lord is with us and that we're not going in our own might or in our own strength, but, but because of his spirit, that's where we're, that's what we're headed and we're going to be a part of that. So yes, we, we appreciate your support financially, but we appreciate your prayers and we appreciate your, your taking the time to think about us in prayer and help us as we go. And um, tonight we're going to sing a song in both English and in Japanese. And, um, you know, Revelation 7, 9 says that, you know, when, when John the Revelator saw heaven open up before him, he saw every tongue, every nation, every tribe, every people up in heaven singing holy, holy to the Lord. And so um, whenever we sing this in Japanese, it gives me a picture, a sound of what heaven is going to sound like. And so I just I hope that it encourages you and it blesses you tonight and that you'd worship with us as we sing.
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. You're worthy, God, of all of our praise, Lord. You're worthy of every praise, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you honor, Jesus. We give you all glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If we could turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. We're going to be reading verses 19 and 20. I'm sure this is a very common passage to many of us. Amen. But I believe God wants to speak to our hearts about it again tonight. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. While we're turning there, if you have any questions about Japan or anything like that, we would love if you would come after uh, church and ask us anything. We were in one church not too long ago, and one of the boys came up and said, Hey, I was wondering, have you ever fought a ninja? And uh, so I, I told him, I said, Well, no, I haven't. I said, I'm thankful I haven't, because if I had fought a ninja, I would not be here tonight, because I would be dead. Because if I fought a ninja, I would not win. So I'm thankful. No, I have never had to fight a ninja to preach the gospel. So thankfully, that was not one of the requirements in Japan. But if you have any questions, whether they're ninja-related or about anything else, we'd love to answer any questions you may have. And we'd love to get to meet you in general, if, even if you don't have any questions about Japan or ninjas. <laughs> Amen. Let's all, why don't we read this scripture out loud together? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Why don't we just put our Bibles down and lift our hands to heaven one more time and ask God that he would speak to our hearts tonight. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to have open ears, God. Help our minds to be sharp and focused on whatever it is that you would say to us tonight. Lord, help our hearts to be open and receptive, God, to the working of your Spirit, Lord, and whatever it is that you're wanting to move us into, O oh God. Lord, make us more into your image tonight, O oh God. Transform form us more into your likeness than ever before, Lord. In Jesus' name, we will give you praise and glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I want to speak to us tonight about Jesus' last commandment. Jesus' last commandment. You see, Jesus' ministry began when he was about 30 years old, and his ministry on this earth lasted for approximately three years. The Bible tells us how when his ministry started, he, he traveled from place to place, from town to town and village to village, and everywhere that Jesus went, people's lives were so radically changed just by them meeting Jesus. People who came who were sick with whatever kind of disease, Jesus would heal them. People who came who were bound by whether it was a demonic spirit or, or an addiction or whatever it was that was controlling them, he would set them free. Jesus raised the dead back to life at times. He, he opened the blind eyes and he unstopped the deaf ears. Everywhere that Jesus went, people's lives were changed. 
But it's so important that we understand tonight that Jesus' main purpose in coming to this earth was not just to change people's quality of lives for this temporary life. He didn't come just to make people's daily lives a little bit easier, but he had an even greater purpose, and that was to change their eternal destinies. And so while Jesus traveled and he did heal them and do many wonderful things for them, he also in each place would sit and teach the people. The Bible tells us how he taught them in parables and illustrations, and and it tells us that he gave the people commandments. One person counted up the commandments of Jesus and found that there were 49 commandments that Jesus gave. The first commandment that Jesus gave was to repent. You know, it's interesting that when we come to the Lord and we want to have a relationship with Him, this is the first commandment that we all must obey. We've all got to be willing to repent. You know, sometimes we can have a misconception of what this means. Sometimes we think it just means saying sorry for the bad things we've done or, or even feeling regret or remorse that we did something we shouldn't have done. But, but that's really not all that this word means. You see, the word to repent, the meaning of the word itself is to change direction. And so when we come to God, we've got to be willing to make a change in the direction that we're traveling in our lives. You see, each one of us, we're really all traveling in the same direction when we're born into this world. It doesn't take us very long to begin to assert our will in the direction we're traveling. That direction is the direction of, of pleasing myself, of, of, of doing whatever I want to do, of following my heart, of looking out for number one. And number one is the same for all of us. It's, it's ourselves. And so when we come to God, we've got to be willing to make a change in direction and say, I'm not going to follow my heart anymore, but Jesus, I want to follow your heart. Lord, I want to go where you tell me to go, and I want to do what you tell me to do. I want to follow you, Lord. I want to walk in your direction, Jesus. I want you to be the master of my life from here on and to be the king of my life. We've all got to be willing to make that change in direction if we want to walk with him. Jesus followed that commandment up by commanding the people to follow him. He commanded them to let their light shine before men that they would see their good works and glorify their Father which is in heaven. He commanded the people to go the second mile when someone was asking them for help or asking them to do something for them. If you own a, a pickup truck, you know what it's like to be asked to do something that you don't really feel like doing if you've ever had a friend or a family member who was moving. Having a friend who owns a pickup truck comes in really handy around that time. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? If you own a pickup truck, don't, don't just do what they're asking. Do a little bit more than what they're asking. And that's why I don't own a pickup truck. I'm kidding. But Jesus is saying, whatever you're asked to do, don't just, don't, first of all, don't try to find an excuse to get out of it, but help them out and do more than what they're asking. Go the second mile. You know, it's interesting that each one of Jesus' commandments are things that are so counter our, our human nature. They're things that don't come naturally to us. The next one doesn't, definitely doesn't come naturally to us when Jesus commanded us to love our enemies, to bless them that curse us, to do good to them that hate us, to pray for those who despitefully use us and who persecute us. 
But we've got to love our enemies. Jesus commanded the people, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But I'm so glad he didn't just stop with the commandment, but he, he followed that up with a promise when he said, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, when we obey this commandment, when we put God first in our lives, when we put seeking his kingdom and his righteousness before everything else in our lives, he has promised us that he will take care of us. He's promised that he will meet every need that we have, whether it's a job or whether it's clothes to wear or food to eat, no matter what it may be, he has promised that our needs will go on his to-do list. Paul said, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful for the commandments with promise. Jesus was sitting at, at the Last Supper with his disciples as his ministry was coming to a close. And I think he probably surprised them when, when he turned to them suddenly and said, a new commandment give I you. They probably thought, a new commandment? After three years, I thought we had heard them all. I thought we had heard all of his, his messages and heard all of his illustrations. They probably even thought if Jesus needed a night off, they had heard all his messages so many times they could have preached them for him. But Jesus said, a new commandment give I you, that you love one another. Jesus didn't expect them to understand what he was talking about just by him saying it to them. And so he knelt down in front of them and gave them an illustration of what it meant to love others. Although he was their Lord and they were his servants, he so willingly knelt in front of them and took up the towel and the wash basin and began to meet their most basic of needs when he washed their feet. He taught us what it meant to love. In case that illustration wasn't good enough, just a few hours later, Jesus would be nailed to a cross. He wasn't put on the cross for anything that he had done. It wasn't for any sin that was in him that he had to be nailed to a cross. But no, he went and was nailed to a cross voluntarily for my sins and for your sins. Hallelujah. He did for us what we never could have done for ourselves when he took upon himself the debt that we could never repay. What a great example of love. The greatest this world has ever seen. Jesus died on the cross. And he was buried in the grave. I'm so glad that he's not still in that grave tonight. You know, in Japan and in many countries in this world, they have their own religions. And many people in this world don't believe in Jesus. They don't know anything about him. In Japan, the main religions are Buddhism and Shintoism. And they're very different religions. But if you would go to the graves of, of the men who founded those religions, if you were to dig their graves up tonight, you would find that the bodies of those men are just where they were left when they were buried there thousands of years ago. But Jesus' body is not in the grave where they put him thousands of years ago because on the third day after he died, he came out of that grave. He didn't need any help from anybody, but he came back to life by his own power. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that he's still alive today. Amen. When he rose, he had all power in heaven and in earth. He rose with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful he died on the cross. I'm so thankful he was buried. But I'm so thankful he didn't stop there, but he rose from the grave, giving each one of us the hope that one day we also will resurrect to be forever with him in eternity. 
Hallelujah. Jesus walked this earth for 40 more days with his disciples. We don't know a whole lot about what happened during that time, but, but we know what Jesus spoke to his disciples as they were gathered around him just before he ascended back into heaven. I'm sure his disciples were listening very closely to what Jesus' last words to them would be. They found that Jesus' last words before he left this earth were just one last and final commandment. Jesus' last commandment were, was what we read in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, when he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You know, sometimes we think our job is just to get people to believe and to baptize them in Jesus' name. But that's not when our work is done. Jesus didn't say, oh, as long as they get baptized, your, your work is done. But he said, you've got to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we've got to take the commandments that Jesus has given us and we've got to give it to them also teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And again, he didn't finish with just the commandment, but he gave us such a wonderful promise when he said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I think it's so interesting and appropriate that Jesus started out by saying, Go to all nations. But then here at the end, he's saying, and when you obey that commandment, when you go to all nations, it doesn't matter where you may be in this world. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're all alone and nobody knows where you are or what's going on with you. But he said, you will never be alone because I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will be with you even until the end of the world. Tonight, I want us to, to consider why did Jesus feel this was so important that he would use his last words and his last instruction to them to give them this commandment to go. I'm sure if we were to sit here and talk about it tonight and brainstorm together, we could find many different reasons why this was so important to Jesus. But I want to highlight just two reasons to us tonight. The first one is that for three years, these men and women had come to where Jesus was. They had had their bodies healed of all kinds of sicknesses. They had been delivered from whatever they were bound by. They had seen His power at work in their lives. They were so radically transformed. And what Jesus was saying is, now that I'm ascending into heaven, it's not my will for you to go home where I found you. It's not my will for you to just go back and sit down on the pew where I found you. And for you to go back to the way things were and to just say, well, thank God we met Jesus. Thank God we saw His power at work in our lives. Thank God we're ready to meet Jesus one day. But what He was saying is, it's not my will for you to go home and sit down. But now it's my will for you to get up from where you are and to leave where you are and to go into all this world wherever there's somebody who doesn't know about me wherever there's somebody who hasn't heard yet wherever there's somebody who hasn't received what you've received and had the opportunity that you've had go into all the world and tell them about me tell them about what I've done for you and let them know what I want to do for them also we've got to go we've got to go there's another reason that 
I think, ties on with that first reason, and, and that is that if somebody's not willing to go, how can they ever know about Jesus? If somebody's not willing to go to where they are and to tell them about Him, how can they ever know about His goodness? I think Paul was really asking the same question in, in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, when he said, How then shall they call on Him in whom they've not believed? I think what Paul was really trying to say here is there's a whole lot of people in this world that are looking for an answer. There's, our world is full of people who are hurting, who don't know what to do, who don't know what to turn to. Oh, they're turning to things. They're trying different things out. They try alcohol. They try drugs. They try different relationships and entertainment. They'll try anything that comes to their mind. But there's nothing in this world that can meet their needs or give them the answer to their problems. But the thing is, we know the one that if they would just believe in Him, if only they knew to call on His name, they could find peace in the midst of the storm. Just one word from His voice could calm the storm at rage in their lives. If only they knew who to believe in, maybe they would call on His name. And how shall they believe in Him of whom they've not heard? Oh, maybe they would believe in him if only they had the opportunity to hear about him. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to be willing to share it with them. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Turn to your neighbor tonight and tell him, God wants you to have beautiful feet. Amen. I believe God wants each one of us to have beautiful feet. Now, you don't need to look down and check if they actually have beautiful feet, because that's not what we're talking about. But God wants each one of us to have beautiful feet. You know, I think it's interesting that here Paul is actually talking about a preacher. He says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach? You would think he would say, how beautiful are the voices of them that preach? But he doesn't say anything about their voices. He talks about their feet. You know, I find so much of the time we're willing and we're even hungry to share our testimony. We're hungry to share the gospel with somebody. But the thing is, we pray and we say, oh God, bring them to me. If they would just come up to us and ask us, what is it that's different about you? Tell me about what God's done in your life. We'd be more than happy to share it with them. But you know, the thing is, as we're walking through the grocery store, they may turn and look at us and think, there's something different about him. God is at work in his or her life, but they're never going to come and ask us. And so if we're ever going to have the opportunity to share with them about what God has done, before we can use our voice to preach we've first got to be willing to have beautiful feet and engage our feet and leave where we are and go to where they are before we can preach to them we've got to make the decision I'm going to have beautiful feet I'm going to go I'm going to go I want to share a couple stories with you tonight the first one is of a lady she was very uh, a very normal Japanese lady in that uh, throughout her life she didn't really know anything about Jesus she didn't know anything about him when she was about 50 years old she she came down with brain cancer and by the time they found it and she went to the hospital they really didn't have many options left 
The doctors told her, well, we, our only option really is to do a brain surgery and we can remove the tumor, but we'll have to take out part of your brain with it. They, they felt like it would be successful and so she opted to have the surgery. It happened just like they told her that they, 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 the surgery was successful, but there were many side effects from the surgery. And they had warned her of them, but, and she found that when she went home, she was very weak and, and very uh, disabled and, and really not able to take care of many of her basic daily needs for herself. And so she was just living at home. They had saved her life, but she really didn't have much to look forward to in life. But then one night as she was laying in bed, she had a dream. In this dream, she saw a street not very far from where she lived. She was very familiar with this street. She had walked up and down it on her way to the grocery store many, many times, but it had just been a street to, to walk down to get to somewhere else. There was nothing really special about this street. But as she saw this street in her dream, a voice spoke to her and said, if you will go to this street tomorrow morning, you will find what you're looking for and you will find the answer to your needs. She woke up in the morning and thought, well, that's a strange dream. I, I've never dreamed anything like that. But then she started to wonder if it could be true. And then she thought, well, I have nothing to lose. And so she got herself ready and made her way out her front door to that street. When she got there, she hadn't walked more than maybe 100 feet or so when, she, when something caught her attention. There were people gathering uh, at this building and there were people of all different kinds of ethnicities. People from Africa and, and, and Europe and from Asia and from America and from all over and they were gathering at this building. She thought, man, I've never seen anything like this before in, in this town. And she looked up at the sign of the building and saw it was a church. And it just so happened to be our church and we were holding a regional conference there that weekend. She stood there just watching everybody come in, having no idea what, what kind of things happened inside of a church. She had never been in a church before. And so she was standing there just staring at everybody when our sister who was standing at the front door greeting people saw her there. She felt the Lord speak to her to go talk to her. And I don't know exactly what went through her mind that day, but if she's anything like the rest of us, I'm sure she probably battled with it a little bit. Maybe she thought, Lord, I go talk to her, but, but I'm busy here. I've got to greet people, and, and I can't just leave what I'm doing and go talk to her. And, and by the way, Lord, she looks kind of strange and different. And what am I going to say to her? You know, what if she doesn't want to talk to me? And so, but all I know is eventually the Lord won out, and she left where she was and went and talked to her. She started a conversation with her, and, and before long she said, Hey, I was wondering, would you like to come inside and... And this lady said, oh, I'm, I'm not a Christian, so I wouldn't be allowed to come in, would I? And she said, oh, no, anybody can come in. And matter of fact, if it's okay, I'll sit with you and, and we'll sit, sit together through the service. And she said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And so they came in together, sat down about halfway back. I don't remember what the, what the preacher preached that day, but I remember turning around from where I was sitting on the front row and looking back to where she was sitting. I saw tears streaming down her cheeks as, as she heard the gospel preached for the very first time. She heard about the goodness of God and she believed in Jesus. She believed that day and she called on His name and she was baptized in Jesus' name and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Where her life before had been nothing but hopelessness, God gave her hope. God filled her heart with joy and God began to heal her beyond what the doctors had ever said was possible. 
possible. God totally changed her life. I'm so glad our sister that day when God spoke to her and said, I need somebody to go talk to that lady, that she obeyed the voice of God and went to her. It was because of her obedience that that woman came into the church and was saved. I can't help but imagine, though, how differently her life would have turned out if our sister would have said, Oh God, I'm too busy right now. Send somebody else. I can't go to her right now. Have someone else talk to her. Our, our new sister may have just gone on home and, and not known anything about God that day. She may have just thought, I guess it was just a strange dream and there was really nothing to it. But because our sister was obedient to the voice of God, a, 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 a person was added to the church that day. A hungry soul came into fellowship with God and everything changed for her. Hallelujah. The thing is, we don't know what God is already doing in people's lives when He calls us to go. So much of the time we feel intimidated when we hear God's voice calling us and we think, well, I, I, I don't know what to say to them. I don't have the power to save them. And the thing is, we're right. None of us have the power to save anybody. But the thing is, we're not the one who has to do it because so much of the time he's already been hard at work before he ever brings us into contact with them. And now that he's brought them to us, he's just asking, will somebody just go the last few feet to where they are to make contact with them and bring them on in and complete the work that I've already started in them? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful our sister went that day. There's another story of, of a man. He's one of the greatest men I've ever known. Brother Yokoyama. He's our northern regional uh, presbyter in Japan, which means he's over the northern half of the country uh, in, the, in the JUPC, Japan United Pentecostal Church. One of the greatest Christians I've ever known. But he, again, did not grow up in church. His family was very devoutly Buddhist and and he, he later told how every day he would kneel in front of the altar to their idol that they had in their home. And every day he would pray sincerely, hoping that maybe today would be different and this God would hear his voice and hear his prayer. He said, but never one time did I ever receive an answer. And never one time did I even feel like this God was aware of my existence. And never one time did I feel that he really existed. He said, but I, I still prayed, hoping. When he was still a young boy, his, his situation got very uh, bad when his parents got divorced. His father became very abusive and, and would beat him and, and say the most cruel things to him. Things you can never imagine a father saying to his son. But he went through that every day. Eventually it came to a point where neither his father nor his mother wanted him. And so they sent him to live with his grandparents. Thankfully, they, they loved him and cared for him, but you can imagine what the complete rejection of your mother and father would feel like. He grew on up, and by the time he was in middle school, he, would, he, he told how he would be walking to school in the morning, and he would come to the train tracks and see the train passing in front of him and just think about what it would be like to just step in front of the train one day and never have to go home. He felt so worthless. He felt like there was no nothing in this life for him. By the time he was graduating from high school, he was already an alcoholic and, and he was on a very fast downward spiral. He made it into college somehow and, and somehow it really was a miracle, but he was selected to come to the States as a foreign exchange student. 
Most of the time when Japanese young people come to the States as a foreign exchange student, there's somewhere that they want to go. Usually it's a big city like L.A. or New York or somewhere that they've heard of and they, they feel like they can experience American culture and get a taste for what America is about. But of all the places that they could have put him, they put him in a small town called Lewiston, Idaho. People who have been there have told me there's really not much there. Just There's a beautiful river and there's some beautiful scenery there. But there's also a big paper mill in town, and the stench from the paper mill overpowers any of the beauty of the scenery that there is. And that's all there is in the town, and not exactly the ideal place for a young Japanese person to learn about America. But that's where they put him. He was there in his dorm room one day, and he was throwing darts at a dartboard that they had on the wall when he noticed three darts in a row had hit the number 13. To you or I, most of us Americans, that wouldn't be of any significance at all, but Japanese people are very superstitious, and uh, numbers and, and things like that hold great significance to them. And uh, so most Japanese people know that the number 13 is an unlucky number in America, and they know about Friday the 13th, and, and so they're always interested in, in that. But in Japan, the unlucky number is the number four. And uh, it's so unlucky, actually, that it's the number of death in Japan. And so if you go to a hospital in Japan, and you get on the elevator, and you look at the buttons, it might be confusing because there's buttons for floor one, two, three, five. They skip the fourth floor. There is no fourth floor in a hospital because who would want to be on the death floor? And that's how they would look at it. So they just totally skipped the number. And uh, so he thought, oh, the number 13, that's, that's the American unlucky number. And then he thought, I wonder if this is a sign from the American God. And then he began to wonder, who is this American God and what would he want with me, a Japanese person, that he would want to give me a sign? He said he was there, and as he was thinking about this, he said an incredible presence came into his dorm room. He had never felt anything like it before. It was so kind and compassionate and reassuring. He said he had no idea what it was he was feeling, but he felt he needed to go to an American church. And so he talked to one of his roommates uh, that he knew was a Christian and said, hey, can I, can I go to church with you? And his roommate said, absolutely. And it just so happened his roommate was Pentecostal. Praise God. It's amazing the Lord works, how he works those things out. <laughs> and so he got up that next Sunday morning and went with his roommate to church. He walked in the back and sat in a back row where he could watch everything that was going on. Again, he had never been in a church, had no idea what to expect. But he said that morning as the people stood and they began to sing the songs and they began to worship God, he said the same presence that had been in his dorm room just a few days before came into that church and filled that building. He said for the first time he realized there really is a God and this God knows who I am and He loves me and He cares me about me enough to reveal Himself to me. He didn't know anything about Christianity, but he heard the preaching that morning and he heard about baptism and he thought, I want to do that. And so he, he went forward and said, I want to be baptized. And, and so they brought him up and baptized him in Jesus' name. He said when he came out of the water, he didn't understand it, but his heart just felt so light and he felt so much peace and joy in his heart. He couldn't understand why he would feel that way because his life was no different than before, but he just felt so much peace. 
Of course, we know that the Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. That night, he was so happy with what he had experienced that he came back that night. And, and again, he sat in the back, but this time when everybody stood to worship the Lord, he stood with them. He didn't know the songs, and so he couldn't sing along, and he didn't know how to pray a Christian prayer, so he could only worship God in the only way he knew how, and that was just to say thank you. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for showing yourself to me. Thank you for washing my sins away and giving me this wonderful peace in my heart. He had never heard of the Holy Ghost, but that, that evening as he was worshiping God in the only way he knew how, God poured out his spirit on him and he was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that when God said, hey, I need somebody to go to this small town in Idaho and start a church there, that there was a man who said, hey, God, I'm your man. God, if you need someone to start a church there, Lord, I'll go. I'm so thankful he didn't say, oh, God, send me to a bigger town. Send me a little bit closer to home. Send me to some, some city that has a Walmart. But he said, oh, God, if you want a church in Lewiston, Idaho, I'll go. There's no way he could have known what God was going to do that he would bring a young man filled with trouble to that small town to save him there in that small church and send him back to Japan to start a revival all the way across the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful he obeyed the voice of God. Why don't we all stand tonight? Hallelujah. 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 You know, the meaning of life, the only thing that will matter at the end of each one of our lives is whether we know God and have, have a relationship with Him or not. If we know Him and have a relationship with Him, everything's going to be okay. It doesn't matter how poor we may be, how unimportant our last name may be in our community, or how unimportant our job may have been. If we know Him, it's all going to be okay. But it doesn't matter if we don't know Him. It doesn't matter how much money we may have in the bank, how important our last name may have been, or whether we was the President of the United States. None of that's going to help us. The meaning of life and the only thing that will matter is whether we know Him and have a relationship with Him or not. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood and preached to the crowd that was gathered, and they were convinced of their sin and, and their need of a Savior. But, Paul didn't, or, but Peter didn't give an altar call that day. It was his first time to preach the gospel, so he didn't know he was supposed to give an altar call. And so the people had to ask him, Peter, what do we do? What do we do about this that you've preached? And so Peter stood back up with the other apostles and he gave them a commandment. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it tells us that Peter commanded them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And again, he didn't finish with just the commandment, but he gave a promise. He said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and unto your children and unto all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. 
The reason we're here tonight is because God is calling us. He's calling people all the way across the world from Jerusalem where he preached that day here in America. God is calling people here in this town and he's wanting to fill them with his spirit. He's wanting to wash their sins away and change their lives. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe God is calling people to obey the the commandment that Peter gave that day. But if we have obeyed that commandment, I believe God is now calling on us to obey a different commandment. I believe He's calling on us to obey His last commandment to go. My wife and I feel like God has called us to go to Japan and to reach the people there. But not all of us are called to Japan because if we all went to Japan, who would be called to America and who would be called to Oklahoma and who would be called to Chelsea? And somebody's got to be called to Chelsea because God's wanting to reach people right here. Amen. You know, so much of the time I find that we'll have a burden for the people around us, whether it's our coworkers or our family or our neighbors, and, and we'll pray and say, Oh God, send somebody. Lord, call somebody to preach the gospel to them. But I wonder if the reason why God has put us in that community, God had us buy a house in that neighborhood or put us at that job is because God has called us. He hasn't called somebody else to go to them, but we are his chosen vessel that he's wanting to use to make a difference in their lives for him. Hallelujah. I believe God's calling each one of us into the field tonight. Why don't we just raise our hands right now and begin to talk to Him. Oh Lord, we hear Your voice calling us tonight. Lord, we've heard Your last commandment to go. Oh Lord, we're willing, God. Lord, lead us, Lord, and we will go. Lead us, Lord, and we will follow Your voice, God. We will follow You. We will obey your call to go. Lord, lay somebody upon our heart right now. God, bring somebody's name to our mind right now that you want us to go to. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Jesus was walking with his disciples when he interrupted their conversation. He said, you say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. But I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white. They're white already to harvest. I wonder how many people around us God has already been working in their lives. We may not see it. We may not be aware of it. But God's been working in their lives. He's been bringing them to the place. And now He's just calling us to go the last little bit. And to go to them. And harvest them and bring them on in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could just step out of where we're at tonight. And come down to this altar. Hallelujah. I wonder if we can just come down to this altar as a place, as a sign of of our dedication to obeying this commandment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God, send us, Lord, into your fields. Send us into your harvest, Lord. Oh God. Oh God. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Use us, oh God. Let your spirit flow through us, Lord, to those around us. Lord, we don't have the answers, but God, you have the answers. We don't have the power, but God, you have the power. And so, Lord, we look to you. Lord, we don't go in our own power, but Lord, we go in your name. We go according to your word in obedience of your word, Lord, we will go. Hallelujah, Jesus. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord, that you've already been hard at work in their lives where we don't see or know, but God, we trust you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. oh God to bring a revival right here Lord use us oh God to bring your kingdom about in a greater way in this area Lord let your kingdom come oh God let your will be done here in Chelsea Lord use us oh Lord use us oh Lord in Jesus name hallelujah Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we've been given. Thank you for the opportunity that someone gave us to know you, Lord. To have our lives changed. To be healed and delivered, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Now help us to go and give this opportunity to somebody else. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you, God. We worship you, Jesus.
sing it again together tonight? Oh, Jesus, use me. much time we have left before the Lord is going to come back. I don't know how many opportunities or chances I'll have to share the good news with somebody. But when he comes back, I want him to find me busy about my father's business. Hallelujah. If we don't tell them, they're never going to know. If we don't tell them, they're never going to have the opportunity. Recently, my wife and I were in southern Illinois where my mom was born and raised in a small country church there. And the pastor was telling us that they had gone through some records a while back and they were going through old baptism records and they found a name that they did not expect to find there. We had known that my great-grandmother had been in the church there along with my great-grandfather and we thought they were the ones who first got in church in my family which would mean I was fourth generation Pentecostal but they found actually the name of my great-great-grandfather making me fifth generation Pentecostal and that's a wonderful heritage to have you know I don't know who it was who first witnessed to my great-great-great-great-grandpa Taylor Hawkins, but I'm sure glad that they did. I'm sure glad that they did. It was because they chose to have beautiful feet that I'm here today. They, there's no way they could have known that they were going to impact the next five generations of this man's family. That because of their witness, there would be missionaries around the world and there would be ministers across America because of their witness. But I guarantee you, when I get to heaven and my family, when we get to heaven, if we find out who that person is, they're going to have some beautiful feet to us. Amen. God is wanting to use us in a greater way than we could ever imagine. Hallelujah. We may just see the one person in front of us that God's telling us to go to, but it may be that we're actually going to the next five generations of their family. It may be that through our going to them, we're actually sending people to cities across America or even missionaries to other countries. God is wanting to use us. God is wanting to use us. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here with you on this wonderful Thanksgiving Eve Eve. It's been such a wonderful time in the presence of God here with you. Thank you so much for letting us be with you. God bless you.